Father, this morning we just come to you for the hearing of your word. You have magnified your word above all your name. Help us. Help us at least now in your house to magnify your word above everything else in life. Put away all our wandering thoughts, our issues, our problems, everything that distracts and in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. Magnify your word. For in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And your word is life. There is no life outside your word. So speak to us today. Help us. Even the young ones. Help them. Not to get distracted. Spirit of God in our weakness. Help us. That our minds do not wander. To be in your house as Jesus sat at the age of 12. Listening. To be like Mary in Bethany, sitting at his feet, listening. So that you would be told about us today. One thing that will not be taken away from them. For they are listening. Help us, Lord. For faith comes from hearing. Help us to hear. That we may please you with our faith. To that end, I come in this time. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. For those who are listening constantly, the three services of the word we have, that is Sundays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, it will be easier to follow the teaching. But if you haven't been following, we always try to see that every message is complete in itself. Two Sundays back, we looked at John chapter 10 and verse 35, a statement Jesus makes. If we call them gods, we leave that aside, to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken. Two terms Jesus used for this. The word of God and scripture. doesn't have a regulator. The word of God and scripture, what is written, cannot be broken. We always have to be careful about it. So don't read your word casually. Don't listen to the word casually because you need to know the word of God cannot be broken. It's good to go with the word. Otherwise the word will go against us. It's good to go with the rock. Fall upon the rock. Otherwise, one day the rock will fall upon us. It's good to fall upon the rock. Christ the rock. He's the rock of ages. So the word of God cannot be broken. If you were there even yesterday and the previous days, you would know. From Hebrews 6 and verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ... Let us go on to perfection. Meaning we need to go on to perfection. It's not an option. 
It's not an optional subject. We need to go on. But you cannot go on to perfection unless your foundations are clear. The foundations are weak. You cannot build higher. Your spiritual life, even if you are prospering in this world, which is anywhere temporary, death will take away all prosperity away. Spiritually, your life will keep crumbling because your foundations are weak. And the foundations are mentioned here. The first foundation. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. When Paul, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, when he is speaking, he says, this is what I did. Testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks. A term in the Bible which means the Jews and the Gentiles us. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. We are like the children of Israel who ate quail in the wilderness. We have heard so much word, so much, so much word over the years and the weeks. It's literally coming out of the nostrils without producing much faith. So where is the trouble? Because the hearing of the word has to produce faith. And if the hearing of the word produces faith, your looks won't be like this. Because when you have a people of faith gathering together in the house of God, there is always excitement. There is... The level is different. It's a different level altogether. You know why? Because that's what faith does. Because you know faith pleases God. You know God is in your midst and your excitement level is completely different. So where is the issue? Why is the hearing of the word of God not producing faith? So the issue is actually not with the hearing of the word. Our issue is with repentance towards God. That's our issue. The order is always first is repentance. Repent, faith towards God, that is believe, confess, and act on what you believe and confess. One can never, ever bypass repentance. Though there are emotions involved in repentance, most of the time, no. Emotions are involved in repentance only when you have the first time, when you are aware of the Holy Spirit convicts you and you know what you are outside of Christ and the destiny and the destruction that is set before you and that Christ is setting you free. There is emotion like you have in the book of Acts. They were cut to the heart and said what should we do. After that repentance is when you fall deliberately, knowingly, like David, and then you cry out, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit. But other than that, repentance is not an emotional thing. It's a very simple act of will, an act of changing your mind. Act of changing your mind. You hear something, you know it is right, you know it is right, when you know it is right, you also know you are wrong. You cannot have both ways. You cannot have both ways. When you know what you heard is right, 
that means you are accepting what you accepted till then was wrong. Okay. Let us say Vikas is sitting. Vikas, right? Vilas. Vikas. Vikas is sitting over there. And Vikas was always thinking two plus two is five. Okay. Then one day Pastor Vijay sits him down and says, Vikas, listen, two plus two is four. Now Vikas says two plus two is also four. Now let me ask you this question. What is two plus two? Is it five or four? It can be only one. He says it's also five, it's also four. See, this is our problem. We are, without repenting, we are receiving the word of God. It does not work. It does not become life. If you have, if the word of God has to become life, then you have to put away. Put away. You have to put away. If you don't put away and hear the word of God, it only makes you more miserable or complacent. Because you are just acquiring knowledge. The word of God is not becoming life for you. And knowledge makes you miserable or knowledge makes you proud. Like the Pharisees. They were proud of their knowledge, but none of them could receive Christ. Because they refused to repent. Refused to repent. So repentance is the first primary building block. So even today, by the end of maybe an hour and a half of preaching the word of God, everything that you hear, whatever contradicts your accepted thinking, and the word of God cannot be broken. When I put it up over their scripture and establish with scripture that what I am telling to you is what is true, you have only one choice. Repent and then faith towards God. Not faith towards God. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It says, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Repent. Put away. Put away. Put away. You cannot carry two ideas which are contrary to each other simultaneously and say, I accept both. Sometimes two plus two is four. Sometimes two plus two is five. No. It's always four. It's always four. That's our issue. So we saw two Sundays back from Isaiah 55. Because we have to look at what the old covenant was pointing towards what would happen in the new covenant. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. What does that actually mean in our lives? If we continue going without repenting, our minds actually and our hearts get harder and harder and harder and a point will come in our life where it becomes impossible to repent. Possible to repent. You know, honestly, I have met people like that in my life. Meaning I knew them as young. And they were nice guys in the hostel, college and all. But now you see them 30 years later, it is impossible to change their mind. Impossible. Impossible for them to repent and come through. They're gone. Minds are gone. They will not repent. They will not repent. Okay. That is why it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. There's one thing you should not postpone. That is repentance. Changing your mind. Repentance means to change your mind. 
and change your way. There is a thought and there is a way according to that thought. You don't do anything randomly. If you do something, you can be very sure there is a thought with it. And based on the thought you did. Okay? So when you repent, you change your thought and you change your action. You receive a new thought which is of God and you have an appropriate action which is according to that you have repented and faith towards God. This is continuous. Continuous. Because we are all getting to know God. Nobody knows God as God completely here. All eternity will be knowing God. So as we keep hearing about God, we constantly keep repenting and we have faith towards God and you will realize it has its effect on your life. Inside, the person is changing completely. Outwardly also you are changing for the worse. Everybody. And that one virus suddenly realized how fragile we are. Right? How fragile we are. Suddenly we realize, you know, it just brought half the church down. Huffing, puffing, coughing, you know, joints aching, everything. Okay? So outward man is perishing. It doesn't matter how young you look, how you strong you look. You outward man is perishing. That's irrelevant. It will perish. Appointed unto man to die once. Everybody will die one day once. Problem is not death. The problem is after death, where are you going? Where will you go? There are only two places, with God or without God. You can call it heaven and hell, but that's not the point. With God or without God. If you have to be with God, then you should be thinking like God now. You cannot be thinking contrary to God and say, when I die, I will be with God. God says, how can you be? How can you be? So your repentance itself is the evidence for you. I'm going on to the right side. And I want to be very comfortable there. You know what? I'm thinking more and more and more like my heavenly father. The place where I am going. So that's what the Bible says. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And when you call upon him, if he comes near, and when he comes near, what happens? Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. You cannot return to the Lord. You cannot turn back to the Lord without changing your thoughts and your ways. And don't look at each other. No, I am better than him. No, we are talking about God. In the sight of God's holiness, we are all wicked. We are all wicked. We all think we look good and fair until a Caucasian male or a female comes here. It's like that. In the light of God's holiness, we are wicked. It's very easy. Lord, come near. God says, really? Do you want me to come near to you? He said, I will. Let the wicked forsake his way. The unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. And what will he have? He will have mercy on him. And to our God, he will abundantly pardon. Understand the nature of God. If we turn to him, he has pity on us. He says, after all, what is man? Here today, gone tomorrow. As a father pities his child, he pities us. If we turn to him, he will turn to us and he will have mercy. He will have pardon on us. The question is, how long do I have to turn? He says, I will show you. Verse. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. Lord, what is the gap? Is it possible to bridge this gap? He says, it's simple. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do you see it? That is a deep gap. Like the Chinese proverb says, a journey of a thousand miles begin with one step. So if your thoughts are like heaven and my thoughts are like, uh, let me start now. I already lost a lot of time. I already wasted a lot of time watching junk. Wasting time. Number your days. Count your seconds and minutes because we do not have all the time in the world to keep changing. When you reach the other side, you should have changed as much as you could. As much as you could. So it make, you know, when we were, we, we, we both your pastors were classroom teachers once upon a time. One of the good things in teaching in a classroom was always the students who came prepared from yesterday's lesson. You knew them. With the others, you have to go back and start all over again. All over again. That's what Galatians 4.1 says. Even though the child is heir of everything, but he's no better than a slave. He will be under masters and tutors. You know what? How many children of God is going to enter into heaven and is going to classroom because they didn't learn on earth? And you'll be given no responsibility because you did do your homework on earth. You're a child. You're my child. You believed in me. But after that, you did not change. So, how long should I study? Maybe 2,000 years. (laughs) Unless you see life in terms of eternity, you will just waste your time away on earth. In terms of eternity. So, this is what the Bible is saying. So why should I forsake my thoughts and my ways? Why should I repent? Jesus gave only two options. We saw that. Repent or perish. Perish. If you don't repent, we will perish. And I'm telling you straight up. Whichever areas of your life you have refused to repent, those areas of your life are perishing even now. Once you know the word of God about a matter, this is the word of God about this particular situation. And you refuse to accept it, that area of your life will perish. Because scripture cannot be broken. On the other hand, even now, after all this while, you repent and turn back, life will start flowing into that area. Because God will start the process of restoration. Restoration. So repentance is not an option because you don't want the other option. What is the other option? Perish. So when the gospel begins in the gospel according to Mark and chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, it's interesting, Mark's gospel. Each of these gospels are different the way the writers through the Holy Spirit writes. In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I sent my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Jesus is coming. But Jesus cannot come unless the messenger prepares the way for him. 
Jesus is going to come. If Jesus has to come into my life more and more in his glory, in his power, with his peace and his righteousness, the messenger has to go before, prepare the way for him. That's the way always before the king can come, the messengers go and prepare the way for them. And what is the messenger who prepares? Verse 3 and 4. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance. John had only one message, repent. The kingdom is here, the king is here. How do you make the way of the Lord straight? It's by repentance. If I don't repent, the way of the Lord is not there in my heart. The Lord cannot come into my heart. He cannot come into my life. We want the Lord to come in. But God says the way is repent. In verse 15, when Jesus begins, this is what Jesus says. Saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Not believe. Repent and believe. Jesus begins. How does Jesus end his ministry? Before ascending. This is what he says at the end. Luke 24, 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Where there is no repentance, there is no remission of sins. If Pastor Vijay was his maths teacher, Correcting Vikas's answer paper. 2 plus 2. He writes there 4 or 5. What will he get? 0. You won't give him any marks. He doesn't even understand his basic maths. Where there is no repentance, there is no remission of sins. Your sin stands. Sin stands. Okay? Your sin stands. So repentance is not an option. An option. Okay. So God, what does repentance actually means? To turn from our ways. Turn from our thoughts. Thought is the first act. And then we act on our thought. Turn from our ways. Turn from our thoughts. Or turn from our thoughts. Turn from our ways. Turn with me to Isaiah 53 and verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned. Say the next word. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone sitting here. Everyone listening online. We have turned everyone to his own way. His own way. His own way. And what is the consequences of turning to our own way? Eternal death. Eternal death. Eternal death. And what does the Bible says? The Lord has laid on him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Because we all turn to our own way. Iniquity is the most powerful word you have in Hebrew for man's sin. It's a word called avon, which includes every transgression, sin, and the consequence and the penalty of the sin is the word iniquity. That's why when Cain is judged, he says, my iniquity is too much for me to bear. My sin, my transgression, and the penalty of it, eternal separation from God, all that judgment that should come upon me, he put it on him. Because we all turned 
to our own way. So it's not a simple thing when you say, God says, change from your ways and your thoughts. He says, you know why? Because you all turned your own ways, I took that punishment and put it on my son so that you can come back. We say, oh, it's so easy to repent and turn back to God. He has abundantly pardons us. It is free. It is free. Because he paid the price. Mercy. You can never earn mercy. You can never earn grace. But it is free. And it is free because somebody paid the price. And you need to understand that about life. Nothing in life is free. Nothing in life is free. Even if you receive it free. Somebody is paying a price for it. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Somebody is paying the price for it. Somebody is paying. The greatest price that was paid for man's salvation was paid by God. Why? Because we have turned everyone to his own way. We all turn away from God's way. When Adam fell, and after that, everyone, everyone. And on the cross, God visited the iniquity of us all for turning to our own ways on Jesus. All have sinned. Next time, don't say that. Say that I have sinned. I have gone astray. I have turned to my own way. And the Lord has laid on him the blame and the punishment on him. Both the blame and the punishment on him. When we were young kids living in Kerala, our parents used to come uh, once a year from country they were working and before dad used to go back we used to get a lecture okay and the interesting part was that we five would be sitting or standing over there the entire lecture would be directed at the eldest brother though he was the best among the lot he was a very quiet hard working studious never turned to the left or the right and i was of course the one who will turn to the left and the right but i never got anything it was always dirty i can still remember in my mind's eye this is i'm talking about the 1980s 70s 80s okay him standing like this with his head down and my father talking to him the iniquity of mine was laid on him are you getting the picture for everything that we did jesus got it still gets it still spiritually speaking this still every time somebody repents it is still laid on him still laid on him it's all based on what he did on the cross so ultimately in eternity there will be only two sets of people those who saw this repented turn away from their sin and turn to god and kept on giving up their own thoughts and their own ways or those who refused when we refuse god says in eternity i will take your iniquity and lay it upon you and the wages of sin is death you have two choices either you receive what my son has taken or i will put it on you but if you have to take that my you accept my son has taken then turn away from your thoughts and your ways and put your trust only in my son that is salvation 
repentance from works that lead to death and faith towards God. Everything else after that is secondary. Primary these two is this. Repentance and faith. Where there is no repentance, you don't have faith. You have knowledge. You have no faith. You have knowledge. You don't have faith. You cannot have faith without repentance. They happen simultaneously, but they happen together. You cannot say, I have faith towards God, but I don't have to repent. No. You have knowledge. And knowledge doesn't save anybody. It's faith that saves. And our issue is that we are very knowledgeable. Very, very knowledgeable. We don't have faith. That is why you struggle that as soon as church is over, church is over, and the rest of the Sunday, your minds do not go towards God at all, or the things of God. It is always on YouTube or Netflix or something else. You know why? Because out here you have never repented. If you haven't repented, you are not saved. Repent, believe faith towards God, and be baptized. And as Derek Prince said, if you haven't gone through one and two and you got baptized, only thing that happened was a dry sinner become a wet sinner. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. So today, let us look in simple language. What does it mean? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? In simple language. What does it mean the Lord laid the iniquity of us all on him? Isaiah 53 and verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken by, smitten by, and afflicted. In the old days, 1980s and all, 70s, 80s and all, you know, when Derek Prince used to preach all these teachings, you know, he used to, he was, a, he was a very simple teacher, very, very simple, but very powerful. He used to make uh, people do it with their right hand and their left hand. He used to travel around the world and he used to, he says, this is what it means. He say with his right hand, okay, he will say. Jesus was punished for my sins so that I could be forgiven. It's very simple. He used to make it very, very simple. What does this mean? He was smitten by God. He was punished by God so that I could be forgiven. I was forgiven because he was punished. Think about it. That's what repentance means. I was forgiven because he was punished. I was forgiven because I was good. No. I can never be good enough for God. Never, ever. I was forgiven because he was punished. We don't look at what Christ has done and what he has released into our lives. We'll always look at repentance as a negative word. No, it's the most positive word in Christianity. Because of what comes into our life when we repent and believe towards God. What happens? He was stricken. He was smitten. He was afflicted by God. Why? Because I turned to my own way. I turned to my own way. So he was smitten. And I was forgiven. Look at that. I was forgiven. Because he was smitten. You know, 
You know why we walk with his, without a sense of guilt? Because he was smitten. The guilt will kill you. Guilt will destroy you. Guilt ultimately will lead you to a premature death or suicide. Like Judas. Will kill yourself. You cannot handle guilt. Lot of things which lot of people do, they do not know that the reason that causes them to do it, an addiction, to kill time, is basically they cannot handle guilt. They cannot handle guilt. That's why we should be the most profitable set of people because guilt has been taken care of for us. Why? He was smitten for my sake and I am forgiven. We are forgiven people. Forgiven people. Did we do anything for that? No. Free. Free. There was a divine exchange that took place on the cross. He was punished. I am forgiven. Like I said, there's nothing free in life. I receive my forgiveness freely. Why? Because he was punished. I say 53 and verse 5. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. When man went on his own, like Adam, went on his own. When he opened that door by going to his own way and his own thoughts, it opened up the door to every illness. Mental, Physical, emotional, everything. Your body and your soul was ravaged because he turned to his own way and to his own thoughts. What did the Bible say? He was wounded for our transgression. Wounded, bruised, chastised. And what did we receive? By his stripes, we are healed. Why do we pray for healing? On what grounds does God heal us? On what grounds does God heal us? You go to a doctor. The doctor gives you a medicine. You have to pay. Dr. Christian, of course, won't take your money from you. (laughs) But you go to a hospital, they make you pay through your nose. Literally. Seriously. For There's no guarantee you will be healed. But here... On what grounds does God heal us? What happened on the cross? My infirmities, my sicknesses, my lack of peace, my emotional trauma, everything was put on Him and I received healing from Him. Why? Why did all that happen? Because I went by my own thoughts and my own ways and opened this Pandora's box that devil just got in with everything that he had. Came upon mankind. You know what the Bible says? God put it all upon him. Put it all upon him. There was a transference that took place. He was smitten so that I could be forgiven. He was wounded so that I could be healed. Do you see the benefits of repentance? It's not a bad word. It's not a curse word. The most beautiful word in the Bible. Repent. 
from your own ways. Repent from your own thoughts, your own ideas, your own ways. And turn towards God. You are forgiven. You can walk in forgiveness. You can walk in forgiveness. You know, our little children in our homes yesterday, they were there at the worship practice. Our little children. You see how happily they are not conscious. They run around. They are so happy. Do you know why they are so happy? Because they have no guilt. They have no guilt. They have no guilt. Because they have no guilt, they are not conscious. They are always walking in, like in the clouds. No guilt. You know, that's how we should be walking. You know why? Because you are forgiven. We have no guilt. We have no guilt. We have no guilt. And we should be walking even when sicknesses come and more and virulent and more virulent viruses are being released and coming out and Europe is shutting down, fourth wave of COVID coming in, all this thing happening, we still are not scared. Why are we not scared? More and virulent pestilences will come because it is written. Why are we not scared? Because it is written by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah wrote it 600 years before the actual event happened. When Peter writes it, he doesn't say we are healed. It says we were healed. We were healed. That's why we do not fear disease. We do not fear disease. We do not fear the release of every demonic entity to harass mankind. We are not bothered because we know by the chastisement. He was chastised so that my peace cannot be disturbed. That's what Sister Jason prayed. That the peace of God will guard my mind and heart in Christ Jesus. God, I will not lose my peace. I don't need prosactive sleep. I don't need to be on um, antidepressants because I am not depressed. I am not depressed. We don't need. The most sold medicine in the world is Prozac. It's an antidepressant because people cannot sleep. We don't need antidepressants. Why? Because he was chastised so that I could have peace. What do I have to do? Turn from my ways. Turn my methods. Receive his ways and receive his thoughts. What is, what do I get? By his stripes, I am healed. He was smitten so that I could be forgiven. He was wounded so that I could be healed. And what stands in the way for receiving these benefits? One word. Repent. Turn towards God. Is that such a, such a great demand from God? Does it sound harsh? Isaiah 30 and verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. Shall be saved. Another version will say, in repentance and rest, you shall be saved. You have rest. You have rest. You have rest. Third one, Isaiah 53 and verse 10. Isaiah 53. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. See, everything is on Christ. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. 
he has put him to grief what did you do you made his soul an offering for sin did he sin no but his soul your life is your soul the real body the outward body is just a vessel it's just a container in that container is your soul your real personality it's your soul your real personality god took the soul of jesus and offered it as a sin offering his life his life the old testament it was animals animals were brought you laid your hands upon the animal transferring your sins upon that poor animal and then the animal was slaughtered when it was slaughtered its life was being offered temporarily it only lasted one year next year another poor animal has to die for you but literally or spiritually speaking this is what the father did he took his son hung him on the cross and on our behalf laid our sin upon him and said your soul is the offering for their sin why because we all turn to our own way all of us and the iniquity of us all was laid upon him second corinthians 5:21 for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him do you see that he who knew no sin became sin for us he knew no sin he became sin for us and what is the transference that we might become the righteousness of god it's beyond imagination it is not that he declared us righteous we were given the righteousness of god that's the gospel that's what romans 117 says the gospel of god is the power of god unto salvation why for in it the righteousness of god is revealed from where from faith to faith but before faith can come what you need to do put away your own righteousness please repent from your own way and your own works and by faith receive the righteousness of god from faith to faith to faith every time you repent and turn to god your righteousness is increasing you're becoming more and more and more like god in your righteousness it's not that one time you're imputed you are growing in your righteousness becoming more and more in all your ways as god is showing you you are becoming righteous you're putting away your thoughts you're putting away your ways you're receiving god's thought you're receiving god's way you know what is happening you are being made literally in the image of god why from faith to faith but before you can faith you have to give up you repent and you believe you repent and you believe you repent and you believe that is the thing that happens inside outwardly you cannot see it but inwardly the universe sees it god sees it that's what the bible says we are being transformed from glory to glory we become righteous with god's righteousness romans 3:21 22 for now the righteousness of god apart from the law 
is revealed, being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. It's no difference. It's impossible for any man under the law to come anywhere close to this. It's not possible. But it's given freely. It is given freely. What do you have to do? Repent. Put away. Repent means put away. Change your, change your mind. <laughs> change your mind. You hear something, you read the word of God, you change your mind. Ah, this is what the word of God says. This is what I do. This is what it says. This is what I think. You know what? I will stop thinking and I will stop doing this and I will start thinking and start doing this. It's so simple. You know what God says? Righteous. How do I become righteous? Because he says, that's the way I think. That's the way I think. That's the way I do things. That's what Jesus said. Why was Jesus without sin? One, because he was born without sin. Two, how did he become without sin in his action? Because he said, I do nothing on my own. I see my father doing and I do it. Therefore, he was righteous with the righteousness of his father. I think my father's thoughts and I do my father's works. Therefore, my righteousness is not my own. My righteousness is the righteousness of the father. God says, exactly, son, go ahead and do it. It is written. You will hear. You will read. Change your thoughts. Change your act. It is not your righteousness. It is my righteousness. The righteousness of God that comes by faith. Is it complicated? This is not rocket science. This is very simple. That's why the Bible says the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel is not complicated. It's very, very simple. And there is no condemnation. When you are walking like that, no condemnation at all. No condemnation at all. Because comes and says, oh sorry pastor, all these days I thought 2 plus 2 was 5. Thank you so much, 2 plus 2 is 4. What will Dr. Pastor Vijay say? Foolish fellow, who taught you math? No, he says, okay, you got it right. That's all happens every day with God. Daddy, I'm so sorry, I thought this was... God says, it's okay. It's okay. Isn't that what the Bible says? Come boldly, confidently to the throne of grace and receive what freely? Mercy and grace to get your vacation right next time. That's all. It's very simple. It's not complicated. But how can you freely forgive me like that? Because your iniquity was laid upon him. Oh, it's so free? Yes, for you. Not for my son. My son paid the price. My son paid the price. I see a 1 and verse 10 and 11. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. As a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Did you see? What God has done. This is what happens. This is what really, 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 really happens. Turn with me. Let me look at the practical side of it so that we understand. Second Corinthians chapter 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Do you lose heart? You know, when we lose heart, when we look in the mirror, we lose heart because we don't, nothing inside is changing. That's when we lose heart. People all get upside when they look in the mirror. Morning, you must have had a mirror encounter before coming here. And feel upset. Oh, more gray, more weight. 
flesh hanging there, flesh popping up here. All these problems. <laughs> Look at a man. We do not lose heart. Even though the outward man is not sagging, perishing. <laughs> perishing. Look at that. Outward man is perishing. Why is he doesn't lose heart? Because the inward man is being renewed day by day. What about your inward man? What about your inward man? Would you be able to say that I know God better today than ever in my life? That I enjoy God today more than I ever did in my life? Would you be able to say? Because that's a soul thing. If two is not happening, one will disturb you. One will disturb you. But if two is happening, one does not disturb you. You see, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, you know what he went through. Okay, so let's leave Paul aside. Do you see the troubles of life as light? Two things he uses. One, weight-wise, it's very light. Second, time-wise, it's momentary. How can it be both? This is a man who went through torment and not torment, torture after torture after torture for the gospel's sake. But he measures it all in the light of eternity and says light and momentary. Light and momentary. How is he able to see it? Because he's able to see what Christ did. What Christ did. What did Christ do? His life was offered as an offering for my sin. And what did he give it to me in return? Righteousness. What is he giving me every time I believe? More righteousness. More. That's what Isaiah says. Garments of salvation covered me with robes of righteousness. You have to see the old Middle Eastern robes. They flow in their robes. We don't understand robes. Flowing in the robes of righteousness. What's the Bible talking about? So he was punished. Therefore I was forgiven. My sicknesses, infirmities upon him, including COVID. Upon him. Including COVID upon him. He experienced COVID before COVID was released on earth. And his healing and his peace upon me. My sins upon him. And his righteousness upon me. Ask the prodigal son, how did it feel like coming back home? Fourth one, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Why was Jesus when He, second person of the Trinity, became man. Why did he become lower than the angels? Angels don't die. They're spirit beings. They don't die. The only entity that dies is man. So he was made lower than angels for man's sake. We don't know whether there was a creation before Adam and Eve. We don't know. But we know one thing. That God died only for man. He didn't die for angels. He didn't die for animals. He died only for man. 
So why was he made a little lower than angels? For one thing, that he might taste death for everyone. Do you understand what happened? What does it mean that he laid the iniquity of us all upon him? The wages of sin is death. That's why we sing that song, no? What condescension, right? He condescended to down to that level. To death. Death on a cross. He tasted death for all of us. That's the truth. He tasted death for all of us. If he doesn't taste death, we all die. We are not talking about the physical death. We are talking about the second one. We all die. And the greatest fear of man is the fear of death. Fear of death. Why do we die? Because we went our own way. Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15. In as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him, that is Satan, who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The fear of death. Why is Europe closing down again. It's a fear of death. If COVID doesn't kill, there will be no lockdown. Sickness doesn't kill, nobody would be afraid. Accidents don't kill, nobody would be worried about accidents. When a house catches fire, if you don't die, nobody would be afraid of fire. There are floods and so many people died in Chitur and Kadapa and all. If floods don't kill, nobody is afraid of floods. If storms don't create destruction and death, nobody will be afraid of storms. Why are we afraid of all these things? Because of one thing, death. One thing, death. And the uncertainty of what lies after death. That is the other side. The other side, every religion has its own story to say what happens on the other side. Nobody is sure. Except the man who rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. Then he said, I have overcome death. Now we don't have to fear. Okay. Now we don't have to fear death. Why? The Bible says, he tasted death for everyone. Which is true. The whole world does not have to go into eternal death. All they have to do is repent and believe in him. Nobody has to die a second time. Because he tasted the second death for everybody. Do you know something? In the parable about, not the parable, the story about the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man could see Abraham. Rich man could see Abraham. He was conscious about Abraham. The redeemed side and the unredeemed side. There is a gulf between. But there is a knowledge of the redeemed and the unredeemed. That means, from the beginning till today, nobody, including the devil, has been eternally separated from God. The time is only coming on Judgment Day. Nobody has been eternally be separated from God, except one person on the cross. Christ was eternally separated from God when he hung on the cross. For my sake and your sake, he tasted death. That's what it means. 
Because he was eternally separated from God on the cross, that's when he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We will not be forsaken. We will not be forsaken. But if we forsake him, we will be forsaken. That's what it means. He tasted death for everyone. Even now, even now, in hell, they are eternally separated from God. Day is coming. Hell is just a temporary holding area. The day is coming. The Bible says after a thousand years of Christ's reign on earth, there will be the day of judgment. And when they are thrown into the lake of fire, it is eternal separation from God. It's also called outer darkness, where there is no presence of God at all. Nobody has to go there. Why? Because he tasted death for everyone. Do we understand what Jesus did? What it means he laid the iniquity of us all upon him. He tasted death for all of us so that we would experience the life of God through him. That was the exchange that took place. Is it good to repent? Of course. Because he tasted death. I taste life. The very life of God. Look at John 20 and verse 22. When he said this, he breathed upon them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you know what he did? When he came back, there are 11 of them, 10 of them sitting there. Thomas is not there. 10 of them are there. He breathes upon them. What did he say? Receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the life of God. The very life of God is the Holy Spirit. What did he breathe upon his disciples? He tasted death three days earlier. And now he's breathing the very life of God. Do you know what happened when we repent and turn towards God? We receive more and more of the very life of God. And the Bible says he gives life without measure. Look at Corinthians 15, 45. Yeah, I gave it right. 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The last Adam, Jesus, is forever breathing life into us. Even today, if you truly sit in the house of God, repent and believe, you go with more of God's life, not less. More of God's life. And that's a life that can never be destroyed. It cannot be defeated. It's indestructible. Why did it happen? Because he tasted death for all of us. Okay, That's what I said. He tasted death for us and he gave us his own life. God's own life. This is an unbelievable exchange that took place on the cross. So when God says, turn away from your ways... Turn away from your thoughts. He will have abundantly have mercy. He doesn't stop with mercy. It goes beyond mercy to grace. What is the grace of God does? It does all. That is the word salvation. If they say, if you study the word salvation in Greek or in Hebrew, especially Greek in the New Covenant, every place where it is written, somebody got healed, somebody got delivered, the word is the same. It is all saved. 
also saved. You are healed, you are saved. You are delivered, you are saved. You are saved, you are saved. Everything is part of salvation. Everything is part of salvation. It's the same word. The same word. Why? It is all part of God's complete salvation on the cross. That when he put it on the sun, what he released for us, released for us. But how do we appropriate it? Two parts. Keep, I have to keep coming back to that. Repent from our dead works. What are dead works? How do dead works result? Because of my thoughts and my ways end up in dead works. Meaning it produces neither the righteousness of God. It produces not the life of God. It produces no peace. It produces no healing. It produces no forgiveness. Nothing. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. See, in religion, people go and do so many. They climb on their knees. They go round and round holy places. They give big offerings. You know what? You can do all that. You don't get one iota of mercy from God. Your work is dead. You can repent completely from all your wicked deeds. It still doesn't make any difference unless you have faith in Christ. Then you receive mercy. Are you getting the picture? When you say you reformed, you were a criminal earlier, nobody knew, but you were a criminal. You reformed. But one day the cops catch you. And they say, are you those, are you not that guy? Your DNA matches. They take you to the court. And your lawyer says, sir, he has changed completely, sir. He's a good man, sir. And he is such a good person in the society. He does this here, he does there. The judge says, wait a second. Prosecutor, what do you have to say? He says, he's judge section, this, 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 this. In the year 1984, he killed two people. 93, he killed three people. He stole from this house. He said, punish him. Does your repentance change anything? No, because for the crime you have done, you have to be punished. That is what Jesus did. I don't have to be punished for my crime. He was punished. So my repentance does not change me. Because I still will be punished for what I have already done, which I cannot change. But he was punished for my iniquities. That's what the fallacy of religion. Religion cannot save you. Impossible to save you. Religion cannot save you. There's only, that's why the Bible says there's only one name under the heavens by which man can be saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. No other name. No other name. You tell me one person in any religion who took the punishment for my sin. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody took my punishment. No. If he or somebody did not take punishment for me, then I have to stand for my sins. And nobody can stand before God for his or her sins. We are finished. We are done. Because the standard of God's judgment is his own righteousness and his own holiness. Impossible. How does it happen? Repent. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is Jesus. Look at John 11, 25 and 26. Wow. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? 
You should. If you have repented and put your trust in Jesus, we are not afraid of death because we cannot die. Cannot die. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. That's not death, that's waking up. Were you scared to sleep last night? Nobody's scared to sleep. We look forward to sleeping. Some people more and more sleep. (laughs) Is everybody afraid to sleep? Because you know you'll wake up. That's why the Bible talks about death in the new covenant has fallen asleep in Christ. Paul calls it in NIV departure. I love it. Departure. My departure is near. If you're going home and you're waiting and suddenly there is this announcement. Indigo flight number. Please proceed to your gate. Can you imagine in your spirit you hear? Time to come home. Please proceed to your gate. Others will cry. You are happy. Some people will cry. False career. Good. He's going. <laughs> it troubled me all through his life. Do you, how do you see life? Without Christ, you cannot see life this way. Do you know what Christ did for us? Why repent? If you are afraid of death, you need to repent. And meditate upon this. That verse, John. Oh, especially this. And you said, do you believe this? You should say, Lord, I believe this. I believe this. I cannot die. Because you have tasted death for me. I will never taste death again. I will not taste death because you tasted death for me. I will only taste life. How do you know you will not die? Because inside what I realize is that I am living better and better each day. My spiritual senses are better today than ever before. If you look at the children sitting over there, you give them any sweet, they will enjoy. And they think that is life. But as you grow older and older, you realize these sweets won't do. There is better. There is better. There is better. And if by any chance you have gone to North America or Europe, then... (laughs) Gone. Gone. Why? Because you are tasting life at a different level. That's physical. Ask this. Is this true for you spiritually? Then you know what? Life. That's what Jesus said. My words are spirit and life. My words are spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. And that is the danger when you are an eye-opener. When you are sitting in the house of God, if the word of God is not profiting you anything, that means you are flesh. Lord, I don't want to be flesh. I want to be spirit. Because your word is spirit. And the fact that your word is spirit for me is the fact that I am alive. And I I will not die. I will not die. And I am not afraid of death. So keep all that in your mind. He was punished so that I could be 
forgiven. My infirmities, sicknesses, all was upon him so that I could be healed. My sins were put upon him so that I could receive his righteousness. He tasted death for me so that I could receive his life. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he redeem us from the Christ curse of the law? Having become a curse for us. You see? What all he did, what all he had to go through because I went my own way. When I went on my own way, every curse in the Bible came upon mankind. Came upon me. From Genesis 3 to 4 onwards, curses are being pronounced. And all those curses are coming upon us as soon as we went our way. And the fact is from birth, we went our way. We went our own way. And what happened? The Bible says, He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did He redeem it? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on our tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through Him. So you know what happened? When the Lord laid the iniquity of us all upon him, he became a curse. And I received the blessing. Is it good to repent? He became the curse. I received the blessing. Is it a bad word? Look at, just look at a couple of curses. Genesis 3.17 he said to Adam, because you heeded the voice of your wife, have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. What does it mean? All the ground you walk on is cursed. Your house ground, your home ground, your work ground, you name it, it is under a curse. Whatever you do there, it will only produce thorns and thistles, trouble and problems, dissatisfaction. But you know what? When you came to Christ, it was all put on him. What did he receive for release for you? Blessings. Not only that, after that second generation, we all ceased being our brother's keepers. We all became our brother's murderers. That is Cain. Look at what happened. Genesis 4.11. So now you are cursed. Earlier the curse, earth was cursed. Now we are cursed from the earth. Cursed from the earth. Why? Which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Okay. Now ask this question. Are you a brother's keeper? How many of us woke up today and thought about somebody else? Think about it for a second. Thought about somebody else's welfare. Or you only got up and thought about your own welfare. You know what? We are not our brother's keepers. Beware like Cain. I am not my brother's keeper. And you know what? It's a curse. We are operating under a curse. And then comes the law. You have to read the curses under the law. You will wonder, is there anything left? Sky is brass. Ground is iron. Everything. Name any disease, everything is under the curse. What happened? 
It all came upon him. He put the iniquity, the punishment of us all upon him. For curse is the man that hangs on the tree. But he didn't leave it there. He said, when you repent and you believe, all your curses are upon him and I will have a transference. What do I give you? The blessing of Abraham. What is that? The very spirit of God. The very spirit of God. Luke 11 verse 13. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What did he give us? What did he give us? The spirit of God. How will he give us the spirit of God? John 3, 34. For he whom the God has sent speaks the word of God, for God does not give the spirit without measure. Meaning it does not matter how much you ask, he will give you. If something comes out of your nostrils, it should be the Holy Spirit. And God has no issues. God has no issues. That's how the apostles walked. The apostles are walking so much under the anointing, even their shadow carried the anointing. Kerchiefs of Paul, which touched his body, carried his anointing. Why? Because the Lord gives the spirit without measure. Without measure. But why can he give us without measure? Why is he able to give us without measure? Because he put all the curses, what I was actually eligible for, the curses, every curse in the book. What should be coming out of my nostrils? Curses and its effects. What did God do? Put it all on him. He put the iniquity of us all upon him. And what did he release? The Holy Spirit. The blessings of the Holy Spirit. Look at this so that we understand. Genesis 24 verse 10. So that the picture in the Old Testament. Who is this servant? Eliezer. A type of the Holy Spirit. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed for all his master's goods were in his hands. Who has the entire resources of the universe, the Holy Spirit. He's the steward of the Father's resources. He handles the treasury of heaven. So what did God give? He gave us the treasurer. He said, I, say, I give you the treasurer of heaven. I give you the treasurer of heaven. He says, you repent and have faith in my son. I give you my spirit If you are led by my spirit, you will never face a situation in your life ever that you cannot overcome. Because nobody has ever defeated my Holy Spirit. Never. It's not possible. That's the blessing of Abraham. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You cannot be defeated. You'll always overcome. That is the life of God, the actual Hebrew, the Greek word is zoe, zoe life, overcoming life. You cannot be defeated. The devil can throw his best at you. You are not defeated. Impossible. Are you getting the picture? What he did? He became cursed for me. And I received the blessing of the Holy Spirit. When I repent and turn from my way. Sixth one. We'll see how much we can look today. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. This is something else happened. Poverty. Let me tell you about riches and poverty. In itself, inherently, riches is good. There's nothing bad about riches. Because the Bible says, all honor, glory, power, riches are his. So riches is good. Only problem, riches in the hands of an unredeemed man becomes bad. Poverty is not good. Poverty is a result of the curse. There's nothing good about poverty. Absolutely nothing good about poverty. Because poverty is a result of the fall of man. Adam was not poor. He owned the whole earth. He was not poor. So inherently, there is nothing wrong about riches. About riches. Riches, but when we use this word because of the prosperity gospel, it has messed up. So one of the ways theologians use this, instead of the word riches, they use the word abundance. Basically, you always have more than enough to bless somebody. That is a Christian's life. Because like father, like son, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's the Christian's life. That you always have for yourself and to bless somebody. That is life. So the Bible says, he became poor so that through his poverty, we will have abundance. So what happened? God put all our iniquity upon him so that he became poor. And we become rich. We become rich. We have abundance. In any situation. In any situation. Don't think in terms of money alone. Don't think. It. Because there are a lot of people in the world you will meet who have money. And that's all they have. It's all they have. Let me give you an example. I, I want KJB. Romans 1.10. KJB. We looked at it in portion yesterday in the Q&A. Yeah? Making request. This is Paul. Okay? In his letter to the church in Rome. If by any means, now at length, I might have a per- prosperous journey by the will of God come unto you. Look at that word. Prosperous. Prosperous. So he's saying, this is my desire. By the will of God, I will have a prosperous journey. What do you automatically think? He traveled first class. No, he didn't. He was taken in chains to Rome. Acts chapter 27, 28 is all the record of this journey. The record of his journey. Now you look at his journey and you have to ask, is he prosperous or is he poor? I'll give you two records of that journey. Acts 27 verses 22 to 24. The ship is floating. They are going nowhere. They are the Roman soldiers. He's a slave or he's a prisoner. And the Romans have power. It's a merchant ship full of goods. So there is power. There is money. It can save nobody's life. Everybody is facing sure death. Because the ship is floating in the middle of the ocean. And there is not even a breeze to move them. And there is one man who is prosperous in their midst. Now I urge you. Take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. 
Why? For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Verse 24, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Are you prosperous? Are you prosperous? They have the power of Rome behind them. They have the wealth of the ship behind them. They can't move an inch. And God says, all their lives, I give it to your hands. Nobody will die because you are in the boat. You cannot be defeated. The storm cannot kill you. The ocean cannot kill you. The lack of breeze cannot destroy you. Nobody will die. Why? Because you are there. Nobody will die. This is prosperous. He became poor for our sake. So that we would be prosperous in any situation. Undefeatable. Look further down. Verse 34, 36, what he says. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment. For this is for your survival. Since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. Look at his confidence. Who is he? A prisoner. Who is he talking to? The ones who are supposedly free and have power. He says, not even a hair from your head will fall. Eat. He says, and when he had said these things, he took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. He began to eat. Is he prosperous? He is prosperous. Is it a prosperous journey? Yes, it is a prosperous journey. He said, you know what? No one, none of us will die. The ship will go, but nobody will die. Nobody will die. And you know what? They end up in Malta. Look at what happens in Malta. In that journey, chapter 28. And it happened that the far, first we know, the wiper died, not Paul. Because the the wiper was poor, he was prosperous, the wiper died. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him, prayed, and then he laid hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. And verse 10, they also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Let's see. The ship is gone. Everything is gone. They are in the island of Malta. He heals the chieftain. He heals everybody who is sick. Now a new ship comes. And because of him, when they are going, the ship is provided with everything they need for the journey. Because in their midst, there is a man who is prosperous. Prosperous. He became poor for our sake so that we would become rich in Him. And that's what you have to think. It's not about money. It's not about money. Every one of you should believe God has given you something which is unique to yourself, and that's your riches. And when the time comes, you will be in the midst of a set of people, and you can be a blessing wherever you go. You are a blessing. That's your gift. That's what the Holy Spirit has given. And you're prosperous. You're prosperous. Undefeatable. Why? Because he became the curse. He became poor for our sake. So that we would become rich. Is repentance good? Is it good? Let's look at the seventh one. Isaiah 53 verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We had hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Very powerful verse. Despised, rejected, man of sorrows, 
man of grief. We hid our face from him because his face is marred beyond recognition. Not good to look at. He was despised and we did not esteem him. You know in Genesis chapter 3 verse 24 after man fell and he was kicked out. He drove out the man. You know what came? The spirit of rejection came upon men. Why do you think Cain is working so hard and bringing? Because you know what? You haven't rejected almost everything everyone does unless you are delivered by God is for acceptance. You waste your time trying to win the acceptance of man because deep inside man lives under the sense of rejection. Everything you do. And some people don't care anymore because they stop trying to be accepted. It's too much. I don't care. Meaning, I don't accept even myself. They give up. They give up. They walk in depression. Who are depressed people? Because they have rejected themselves. Rejection is one of the biggest curses of the fallen man. And everything he does is to be accepted. Now what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 4 to 6, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. He was rejected so that we could be accepted. There was no way God could accept us. There was no way God could accept us without rejecting him. So he rejected him so that we could be accepted. And this has to go deep into our hearts and our minds. You will stop struggling. Most of your money and time is wasted on gaining acceptance. People don't even like the look of themselves in the mirror. But if you knew, actually in your heart, in your spirit, you knew. God, God, the creator, the king of kings and the lord of lords accept you. Whether you are thin or fat, tall or short, fair or dark. It makes no difference to him. He accepts you in Christ. Suddenly, performance stops. You don't have to perform anymore. You are free. God accepts me. Meaning, whatever you try, you do not become more acceptable. You are accepted in Christ. Why are you accepted? One reason. You repented from your ways and put your trust in Christ. God says, I accept you. You know what a liberty it is? Honestly, what a liberty it is. That's what I'm saying. Salvation is a real thing. It's a real thing. You know? If you have the acceptance of God, then it does not matter whose acceptance you don't have. Ultimately, in eternity, we will realize only that matters. Has God accepted you or not? If everybody on earth accepts you, 
God rejects you. Still done. Finished. So if you look at it, he was rejected so that we could be accepted. If you go back to that proportion in Isaiah, how was he rejected? Right. He was, yeah. Isaiah, same thing, yeah. 53? 3? Yeah. A man of sorrows. He was a man of sorrows. You don't have to grieve. I don't like my looks. God likes, likes your looks. I wish you heard him tell you, I like the way you look because I made you. What did I tell about you? Fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what he said about you. That's what he said about you. And that's the truth. That's the truth. God says, I like the way you look because I made you that way. I like you. Lord, am I not overweight? He says, yeah. And I'm okay with it. I'm not saying you shouldn't lose weight. But he says, I'm okay with it. If you're thinking in terms of a health, this thing, okay, lose weight. But because you're overweight, which, which parent dislikes this overweight child? No. Must be overweight, yeah. Overweight, what do we say? Chubby cheeks. We put a twist to it. God has no issues. But you know what he went? We hid as with face from him. He was made so grotesque. So grotesque. For our sake. That we would hide our face from him. So that we could be accepted by the Father. Look at the the multi, not billion, trillion industry for the outer man. Cosmetics and shaping your bodies and eyebrows, nails, I don't know, every part of the anatomy has been taken over, dissected to improve upon it. God says you can do whatever, you can't improve on it. Fearfully, wonderfully, I made you. I accept you. How can you accept me, Lord, as I am? Because I rejected my son. I rejected him to accept you. And in him, you are accepted. You know how he sets you free? How he sets you free? I don't know whether you are getting it. He was rejected on the cross for my sake. Look at Isaiah, sorry, Psalm 69. The most powerful psalm about his rejection. This is Jesus The psalmist is actually prophesying about Jesus. Do not hide your face from your servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw near to my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. You know my reproach, my shame, my dishonor. My adversaries are all before you. Reproach has broken my heart. I am full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity and there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Who are they talking about? About Jesus. Look at verse 20. Reproach has broken my heart. It's true. Literally true. Do you know when they came to break the legs of the thieves? Because that's what they do. Because you take a long time to die when you're crucified. When they came to Jesus, he was already dead. Do you know why he died? Because reproach of his father broke his heart. 
His father rejected him and he died. You know why his father rejected him? Because you and I went our own way. He didn't die because of the crucifixion. He died of a broken heart because his father rejected him. So that we could be accepted. This is what happened on the cross. The nails didn't kill him. The whipping didn't kill him. He died because his father rejected him. That's what the Bible says. It's broken my heart. And he died. And when they came to break his leg, they saw he's already dead. He's gone. Why? Because his father turned his face away from the son. And he cried out, my father, my father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did the father forsake him? So that he could accept us. So we don't need anybody's acceptance anymore. We don't have to strive for acceptance. We don't have to waste our time and our energy trying to win the acceptance of man. Because God accepts you and me in Christ Jesus. And it does not matter what you wear or what you have done. It's irrelevant. When you turn away and turn to Christ, you are accepted in the beloved. What a freeing thing. What a liberating thing. Sets you free. I am accepted. Every day I am accepted in Christ. Every day. In Christ, I am his beloved. I am accepted. I don't have to struggle. I don't have to labor. Final one. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Something else on the cross that happened. It was the shame of it. Stripped, naked, hanging over there. This the shame of that manner of death. Imagine, stripped. Stripped. We hear often in India, things happening when the mobs come, they strip poor men and women and parade them naked through this. The shame of it. You know what often happens in cases like that? The police intervenes and they rescue, but usually they kill themselves. Because they cannot handle the shame. The shame of it. The shame of it. So it's not just rejection. The shame. Do you know the kind of stuff? Let me ask you this simple question. Does anybody want everybody to know your secret sins? No. The shame of it. The shame of it. Just put on him. Our shame was put on him. That's why he was stripped. He was stripped and hung there between heaven and earth. The shame of it. What people will do to avoid shame, to cover shame. You know, he despised the shame and hung on the cross. What did he give us in return? 
What did he give us in return? He took the shame on the cross. What did he give us in return? Look at Second Peter chapter 1. Has his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. He took the shame upon himself and he is giving us glory and virtue. We are not called ordinarily. We are called with glory and with virtue. So he took the shame and he gives us his glory and his virtue. The psalmist, see this is why the psalmist were writing things moved by the spirit of God which they did not understand. The new covenant we understand. Look at Psalm 8 verse 4 and 5. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you should visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Who is he talking about? He's not talking about you and me. He's talking about Christ. Look at Hebrews. The same Psalms Revelation in the new covenant. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. What does it mean? The world to come. In a few years this world will be gone. The new world will begin. And the new world that begins is not under the subjection of angels. Right now the world is under the subjection of angels. The demonic and God's angels. They are the ones who are controlling. But in the world to come it will not be controlled by them. It will be controlled by the redeemed man. Angels will serve us, not we them. Why? One who testifies in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. For now we do not yet see all things put under him. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. He is the person you are talking about. And what does God even promise the most reprobate church in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He says, I took your shame. And I give you glory. You can reign with me. I give you virtue. I give you glory. He took the shame. And he's releasing his glory and his power and his authority. For our sake, he was made lower than the angels for our sake. So that he would take our shame on the cross and release his glory. That's why the Bible says all of creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Christ in us. Is the hope of our glory. He took the shame so that we would receive glory. Now you ask me this question. Is it good to turn from my own thoughts and my own ways? Is it good? And turn to God's thoughts and God's ways and put our faith in Christ alone? Or after the service is over, we go back to our homes and rooms like the dog goes back to the vomit. We will go back to the world. What do we have at the end of the day left? 
shame and reproach and rejection. We brought it on ourselves. God did not give it to us. He did not give it to us. He said, walk by faith in me. You are accepted, not rejected. You have glory, not shame. You have forgiveness, not punishment. You have healing, not sickness. There's a divine transference that took place on the cross. You choose. You choose. The choice is ours. Jesus was punished so that I might be forgiven. He was wounded that I might be healed. He was made sin so that I might be his righteousness. He tasted death on my behalf so I might receive his life. He became cursed for me so that I would receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit. He became poor for me so that I would have an abundance. And I can say like Paul, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. He was rejected for my sake so that I would be accepted. And you endured shame for my sake so that I would receive his glory and his virtue. Is it good to repent? So what is our response? Final. Last words for today. Repent. Believe. Acts 3 verse 19 to 21. Now listen carefully. We are coming to the prophetic part of it. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. If you repent, you will be refreshed. If you repent and turn towards God, you will be refreshed from heaven. The very Spirit of God will refresh you. Second, and he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. He will be in heaven. Until when? Until everything is restored. There is repentance. Repentance leads to refreshing. Refreshing will lead to restoration in the last days. Everything that happened in the book of Acts will happen again before the end comes. God will restore the fullness of the Holy Spirit upon his people who are willing, waiting and thirsty. And once restoration takes place, there is only one more thing left. That is the return of the Lord. Repent, refresh, restore, and return. And that's what the church is waiting for. You believe the five gifts of the, of the Jesus Christ will be restored. Apostles will be raised again. Prophets will be raised again. Evangelists will rise again. Pastors will rise again. Teachers will rise again. And the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit will happen because it is written. Once that restoration takes place, he will return. And the church will go. That's why... It begins with repentance. Repent, God says. Time of refreshing will come and restoration of all things. Every one of you sitting here, if you believe, will receive one or more or if God wants all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Will receive. Will receive. So that you will have an abundance in your life to be able to give to others. To give to others. Lord, I'm not a curse. I am blessed to be a blessing. I have the Abrahamic promise over my life. A blessing. The very Spirit of God lives in me. And He is the steward of the resources of God. Of all creation. That's how you believe. And that's how you walk. And God will do the rest. 
And it's irrelevant even upon your children, the little ones. You have to believe. And you have to repent. The way is the way of repentance. Change away from your own ways and your own thoughts. God, I'm not going to go my way. I am not going to go by my thoughts. I'm going to go by your thoughts and your ways. And I'm going to believe. And I'm going to turn. And I'm going to turn. And I'm going to turn. Every time I hear the word, I read the word, I am going to turn. And you're going to help me to turn. And God says, you shall be refreshed. Every day you will not get up, maybe tired in your body, but refreshed in your soul. And when your soul is refreshed, your body will be refreshed. Because God works not from outside inside. He works from inside to outside. You will be refreshed. And Lord, I'm waiting for the restoration. And restoration, I believe, has already been happening around the world. God's spirit is moving and people are getting saved left, right and center. The gifts of God is falling upon his people in the most unimaginable places. People are receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit and are being used mightily by God. And it's just the beginning. Once all things have been restored, till then, He must remain. He must remain in heaven until all things are restored. Once all those things are restored, he will come. And the millennium begins. There will be no more tear, no more sorrow, no more grief, no more curse. It's over. Christ rules on earth. That's what we are looking for. Amen? Shall we stand? Father, this morning we just come to you. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. We don't deserve this. We don't can't earn this. But we receive it. Just by faith, we receive every work that you have done for us on the cross. All that we did, you put on him. And all that he is, you are giving it to us freely. We don't want to miss out or lose out on anything that you have for us in Christ Jesus. Nothing. We want it all. We want the fullness of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, today, even here today, I come against that spirit of shame, that spirit of rejection, that orphan spirit, that complacent spirit, The spirit of laziness and sloth. All these spirits. I command you. The spirit of poverty. You spirits. I lift the cross. Before you. I lift the cross before you. Because on the cross. You were defeated. By the cross and through the cross. Satan you were defeated. And we are not ashamed of the cross. Because on the cross, a transference took place. And we receive it by faith. For shame, we receive glory. For rejection, we receive acceptance. For poverty, we receive abundance. For sickness, we receive healing. For punishment, we receive forgiveness. We receive, we receive by faith. If we have to say it a million times until we believe, we will keep confessing. Until our confession becomes our belief. And our belief becomes our confession. 
For the word that can save us is very near us. It is in your heart. It is in your mouth. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Oh, Father, no longer is repentance a bad word for us. It's the sweetest word, Lord. We will repent and turn from our own ways and our own thoughts and receive happily and joyfully your thoughts and your ways every day, every day, until that gap is bridged. And no longer will heaven be so far away. Heaven will be so close to us because we are learning to think like you and to walk like you. And therefore, we feel that closeness to you, Lord. I pray that for everyone here, everyone listening. Oh, Christ won't be far away. Christ will be just a heartbeat away. That your promise actually be experienced. For you said, I would never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you forever. And it is only because you have forsaken. We will never, ever be forsaken. You will be forever with us. Oh, Father, I pray your church walks in that reality. Walks in that reality. Oh, Lord. That Zoe life of Christ, the very life of God, the very righteousness of God, the undefeatable life of God, that we would be able to wake up every morning and keep saying, I cannot die. Because I believe he is the resurrection and the life. I will never die. Even if I die, I live. I will never die. Death holds no fear for me. I pray, Father, your children will believe. And then we will walk this land. Not as defeated people. But as overcomers. Then we will have something to give to everyone. Because we have the abundance of God in our lives. We will have a prosperous journey through life. Because of who is in us. Oh, touch your children. Heal infirm bodies today. Everyone who asks for prayer here around the world, be healed in Jesus' name. You can receive it. You can claim it. It's your birthright. It's your birthright. For he put our infirmities and our diseases upon himself on the cross. And by his stripes, we are healed. You can receive it. All those who are troubled in their hearts, you can receive peace. For the chastisement for our peace was upon him. We don't have to be troubled anymore. Receive his peace. You said, my peace, I leave with you. I speak that peace into every troubled heart. Whatever trouble you are going through in your workplace, in your home, in your business, it does not matter. He gives you peace that passes understanding. Your future is secure in his hands. Receive his peace. Receive his peace. Receive his rest. You cannot buy rest. You can only receive it by faith. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. 
Repent and turn and look to Christ. Go to Christ. He will give you rest for your souls. Rest. 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 Turn. God says return. Times of refreshing will come. And he will restore all things. All that the enemy has stolen. All the enemy has kept you from away you. What is rightfully yours. All that the enemy has kept. He will restore. Do you believe? He can come to the friend. If you feel. You need restoration today. Come by faith. You are not coming to me. You are coming to Christ. You need healing. You need restoration. But this is the time of restoration. He had promised through the prophet Joel. But that was not for Israel. It was primarily for us. I will give you back all the years that the locusts have eaten. Everything that the devil has stolen or kept away. The time of restoration is here. He will restore and then he will return. He is not coming for a beggarly church. He's coming for a restored church. His bride will be decked in garments of salvation and with robes of righteousness. She will not be poor in her soul. She will have fatness in her soul. She will not be broken down with sickness and with infirmity because the healing of the Lord will flow into her body. He purchased it for his bride. Believe. That's why Jesus said, all things are possible to him or to her who believes. Repent from your own thoughts. Repent from your own ways. Repent from your own efforts and turn to Christ. Lord, I believe in you and you alone. Oh Lord, let your virtue flow into the lives of your children. Heal, heal. Take that shame away. Take that shame away. There are no orphans in his house. There are only children, sons and daughters of the living God. There are no orphans in his house. There are no orphans. There is no shame. He took that shame upon himself. What are you ashamed of? You have been covered. There is no record in heaven. You have been covered with robes of righteousness, with garments of salvation, with his glory and with his virtue. What are you ashamed of? What are you ashamed of? There's nothing to be ashamed of. Who has rejected you? It does not matter. Has your father rejected you? Has your mother rejected you? Has your teachers rejected you? But God says, I accept you. Today, I accept you. In Christ, I accept you. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, He accepts you. It should not matter anymore, but God accepts you. He accepts you in the beloved. You don't have to worry. You will never, never, ever be punished for your sins. You will never, ever be punished for your sins. Because he was punished for our sins. Never. You and I do not have to walk under the yoke 
of that curse. Because he was cursed for our sake. Cursed is the man that hangs on the tree. He hung on the tree. So that we could receive his riches. His abundance in our life. Oh Father. Spirit of God move through your body Lord. Move through your body. Heal your body. Make us whole. Be healed in Jesus name. Be made whole in Jesus name. Let every yoke be broken. Let every curse be reversed. Let the blessings of God flow into the lives of his children. From curse to blessing. From weakness to strength. From poverty to abundance. Let the very life of God be our portion. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We believe. Therefore, we speak. And I pray, teach us to speak according to your word, according to your thoughts, according to your ways, and we will see it coming to pass in our lives. It will come to pass, for scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. Your word is forever settled in the heavens. As you told Joshua, you tell us, don't turn to the left or to the right. Be careful to do all that is written. And do not let the word depart from your mouth. And you will be successful and prosperous wherever you go. It doesn't matter where you go. The life of God will flow through you. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. We just want to bless our hands. And we want to bless your holy name. Raise up our hands. Lift up our hands in your house. We want to bless you. We want to thank you. We want to praise you. We couldn't have earned this. We couldn't have done anything to deserve this. But you give it to us freely. And we receive it freely. And we just want to bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Father. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. And we confess and proclaim in your house. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen, amen. God bless you. Keep believing. Keep speaking. Confession is important. Keep speaking. I am blessed. Keep speaking. I am blessed, not cursed.